so far in the tafsir of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We've reached what I believe somewhere in the 70th or 70 something or 80 something surah to be sent upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jayid, because this class of tafsir through the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we're going through it according to how the suwar revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam not according to the order of the mushaf and that's why related to the seer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so so far what surah did we stop did we stop on we stopped on one surah and we've been on that surah for a long time surah to surah to baqarah surah to baqarah so we reached surah to baqarah which is somewhere between the 70 something something and the 80th of what was set down upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I'll give you the exact number later on, inshallah ta'ala. But we've gone very, very, very far. So we stopped on Surah Al-Baqarah. And Surah Al-Baqarah, this was the first Surah revealed to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam after what? The Hijrah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, so far we read Surah Al-Baqarah. And when we read Surah Al-Baqarah, we said every single Surah has a mawdu'. Every single Surah has a subject matter. Surah Al-Baqarah, is the longest surah chapter of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Despite the length of Surah Al-Baqarah, we mentioned that the topics or the subjects of Surah Al-Baqarah are divided into how many branches? Five major branches, just as a revision. The first branch of Surah Al-Baqarah is about Al-Quran Al-Majid wa Mu'jizat Al-Quran. The first branch of Surah Al-Baqarah is about the Quran, the glorious Quran and the miracle of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why it starts with what? الكتاب, this is a book, there's no doubting whatsoever. Also, it speaks about those who try to plant doubt in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reject the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if they think it's from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they should come with what? Surah Surah, a chapter of his like. وَإِن لَمْ يَفْعَلُوا وَلَنْ يَفْعَلُوا If they could not do so. وَإِن لَمْ تَفْعَلُوا وَلَنْ تَفْعَلُوا If you could not do so. And you'll never be able to do so. You'll never ever be able to do so. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the first branch he put in Baqarah is Al-Quran Al-Majid. The second branch of Al-Baqarah is the condition of those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in the life of this world. And the life of this world is mawdi'ul imtihan, a life of what? Test and trials from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at their position concerning affairs of deen, meaning the orders of Allah, the commands of Allah, the prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this mawdi'ul imtihan, the life of this world, which is a test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this test, it begins with the story of who in Surah Al-Baqarah? Story of Iblis and Adam. And also the previous Umam, such as who? Banu Israel. So you find a lot of Ya Banu Israel in Surah Al-Baqarah. The third branch of Surah Al-Baqarah is concerning hal, the condition of the believers, Al-Mu'mineen Al-Muttaqeen. So Surah Al-Baqarah, the first five verses describes who? The believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابِ لَا رُيْبَ فِيهِ هُدًا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ it's a guidance for the muttaqeen, the believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The fourth major branch of Al-Baqarah 
is what? The disbelievers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those disbelievers, there's no hope in them except in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا سَوَاءٌ عَلَيْهِمْ أَأَنذَرْتَهُمْ أَمْ لَمْ تُنذِرُهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ Those who believe, who disbelieve, sorry, سَوَاءٌ عَلَيْهِمْ It is the same. Whether you warn them, you don't warn them, they will never believe. خَطَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ Allah has put a seal on their hearts. خَطَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ وَعَلَىٰ مَاذَا؟ أَبْصَارِهِمْ عَلَىٰ سَمْعِهِمْ And upon their ears وَعَلَىٰ أَبْصَارِهِمْ غِشَاوَةً And there's a covering, a veil over their eyes. So this is the fourth branch of Al-Baqarah. The fifth is Al-Munafiqoon, the hypocrites. Those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ from mankind are those that say, we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the last, وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ They're not believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا They aim or they seek to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those who believe. وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ مَا يَشْعُرُونَ They do not deceive none by themselves, but they do not perceive that. So these are the five major branches of Al-Baqarah. So any, any part of Al-Baqarah you read, it will be related to one of these five topics. Jayid? Within these topics of Baqarah, we said there's many lessons. Yes? Many lessons. And these lessons are in groups of ayat. In groups of what? Ayat. So you might go from ayah number 1 to 10, there's a particular lesson. From ayah 150 to 160, a particular lesson. So you find maybe 10 or more ayah is a particular theme. And the last thing we ended on was Ayah 188. And the lesson in that was about what? About Taghir al-Qibla, the changing of the Qibla. And one of the lessons in that, that the changing of the Qibla, or them not wanting to pray towards the Qibla, is not about the Qibla by itself. What was the issue here? They didn't want to be seen to be following who? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and we said, this is the part of the continuous struggle between al-haq wal-batil, between truth and falsehood. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from his sunan, is made sunnah at-tadafur, the sunnah of repellence, good to repel evil. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala legislated jihad. So then went into the battle of what? Al-Badr. So went back to the seerah, not to seer, the ghazwatu al-Badr, the battle of Badr. And we ended the battle of Badr. Now we're going back to those groups of ayat. We're going back to the ayat in Surah Al-Baqarah. And we're going to relate it to the seerah of the Prophet But before we do that, we did Ghazwatul Badr as a revision. Today, inshallah ta'ala, a lot of revision. A lot of revision, inshallah. Even in the tafsir. Because we've done so much of these lessons. I mean, this is maybe the 80-something surah we're doing. That we've introduced a lot of principles of tafsir how to derive benefits and ruling from ayat. So the first ayah I'm going to go through, I'm going to leave it to you, I'll mention the ayah, and in the order of the words and the sentences, I want you to derive the benefits, inshaAllah ta'ala. Jayid? So Ghazwatul Badr, it took place in which year after Hijrah? Second year after Hijrah. In which month? Ramadan, the 17th of Ramadan. What else? two years after Hijrah occurred, that Allah Ta'ala legislated, two years after Hijrah. Huh? 
change your qibla that was before fasting siyam fasting was made obligatory or was yes was made obligatory in the second year after the what the hijrah of the prophet sallallahu and of course again in the month of what the month of ramadan so therefore if the battle of badr was two years after the hijrah and fasting was also obligated two years after the hijrah in the same month of ramadan did the sahaba radiallahu anhum did they fast in ramadan in the second hijrah and in the battle of badr this is the question concerning the battle of badr umar radiallahu an he said ghazawna ma'an nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ghazwatayn al-fathu or al-badr wal-fath lam nasum fiha we fought two battles with the Prophet sallallahu Two battles in which we never fasted. The battle of Badr and the battle of Fath, the conquest of Mecca. Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullahu ta'ala, he said this particular hadith in a Tirmidhi is da'if, it's weak. However, other ulama, such Ibn Kathir, Imam Ahmed rahimahullahu azza wa jal, they all say the hadith is sahih. And at the very least, the hadith is mursal, meaning a tabi'i, he quoted it without and he missed out a sahaba and he quoted the Prophet وسلم, directly. But the person that narrated this hadith, Sa'id ibn Musayyib, he said he heard it directly from Umar. So some of the ulama they say this hadith therefore is authentic or at the very least is mursal. And some scholars they accept hadith which is mursal over hadith which is da'if. So Ar-Rajih, the most authentic opinion is that during the Battle of Badr, the issue of Siyam was legislated, but the Sahaba they did not fast during the Battle of Badr. They did not fast during the Battle of Badr. Because in battles, the Prophet generally, there's a hadith in Muslim which he would tell them, Innakum qad min aduwikum, aqwa lakum. You're close to your enemy right now. So therefore, to break your fast is stronger for you. So generally speaking, in war, or when you're with your enemies, it is better not to what? Not to fast. So Siyam was made obligatory the second year after the Hijrah of the Prophet And of course, in the month of Ramadan. So we're going to go through Ayah 183 from those taking notes. For two weeks, from 183 to 187 concerning the Ahkam, the rules of fasting and also the fawaid, the benefits, benefits of the ayat of Siyam. Because ahkam does not just mean, when we say rules and regulations, when to break your fast, when to start your fast. Rules and regulations also relates to what? Issues of belief, belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Issues of raqa'iq, how your heart should be softened towards the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not just rules and regulations. So all of these things we're going to go through. Issues of aqidah, belief, creed, rules, fiqh, rules and regulation, heart softening issue from 183 to 187. So like I said today, you're going to derive from these ayat based on what we studied before. I'm not going to oppress you. It's going to be based on what we studied before. Inshallah ta'ala, you're going to derive the rules and also the benefits and the tafsir of this ayah. The first ayah, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, kutiba alaykum usiyam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, 
Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu O you believe Kutiba alaykum usiyam Fasting has been ordained for you Kama in the same way It was ordained upon those who came before you La'allakum tattaqoon Again, all you will believe, fasting has been ordained, prescribed for you. In the same way it was prescribed for those who came before you. In order that you may have taqwa of Allah Azza wa Jal. So from the beginning, we're going to derive the benefits. Based on the order of the ayah or the words. So the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. What's the benefit here? And what's the hukum here? I want the benefit and the ruling here. Ya Abdullah. Huh? Who are? Believers. Jazakallah khairan. The first benefit we get from this ayah, as Abdullah mentioned, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, whenever you hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu fa'ar'iha sam'ak Pay attention to it with your ears. It is either an order you've been ordered with, or nahi tunha'an, or prohibition you've been prohibited from. Whenever you hear Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu, and we've said this many, many a times, but there's a ruling concerning Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu, and what is that ruling? In kana amran, if what comes after Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu is a command, Fi'luhu min muqtadayat al-iman To do that command is from what? The conditions of faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So when you hear Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu If it's a command to do it is from what? The conditions of iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Ya ayyuhaladheena amanu And a person does not do that action Is either a lack of iman or no iman at all Take that as a ruling. Fi'luhu min muqtayat al-iman. Therefore, fasting is what? From the prerequisite of what? Fasting. Uh, from iman. Likewise, salah. Salah. For a person not to pray on time or not to pray in jama'ah, is this a lack of iman? Is it a lack of iman? Why? When we did the issue of the qibla, what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call salah? What did Allah call salah in Surah Al-Baqarah when we did the, ayat, the changing of the Qibla? Because the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, when the Qibla was changed, they're like, subhanAllah, what about all the salah we used to pray towards Baytul Maqdis? It's all lost in God. What did Allah Ta'ala say? وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهِ لِيُضِيعَ بَارَكَ اللَّهُ فِيكَ أَبُوْ سَلْمَانِ Allah will not cause your iman to be lost. So Allah Ta'ala called iman salah. So whatever, and this is praying on time, not to talk of abandoning salah completely. Whoever does not do this, this is a sign of a lack of iman. Even if he claims to have iman. And what is the proof of that? Inna salata, verily the salah kanat. It is prescribed. It's prescribed at what? Set time for the believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not only is a lack of iman generally, but also iman in the day of judgment. Do you not see the one that denies the day of judgment? What's one of the signs? Those who are negligent concerning their what? Their salah. Jayid? So number one, 
Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu The fact the ayah it began with this It shows that fasting is from iman Faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And that's why the ulama They say concerning the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam In which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Allah ta'ala said hadith qudsi As-sawmu li wa ana ajzi bihi Fasting is only for me Allah And only Allah can reward for it The ulama they say the reason fasting is only for Allah they say, being a soulmate, when Iman shibhuntam, that there's a complete similarity between fasting and Iman. Why is there a complete similarity? Because when it comes to Iman, nobody knows who truly believes except for who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet concerning those who had made an effort to make hijrah. And not just those women who had left their husband and made hijrah to the Prophet ﷺ from the Sahabiyat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet O Prophet, if the believing women come to you, mu'minat, muhajirat, they come to you to migrate to you, famtahinuhun, test them. Why? Who knows about their iman? Allah ta'ala a'lamu bi'imanihin. Only Allah knows if they're believers. Jayid? So therefore Allah Ta'ala begin with Ya Yuladina Amanu. This shows that, that the ruling or the issue of fasting is connected to what? Iman Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the first fa'ida. Ya ayyuhaladina amanu. Kutiba alaykumusiyam. What ruling can we get from this? Kutiba alaykumusiyam. That fasting is ordained, therefore, this is proof of what? Wujubusiyam, the obligation of fasting. Jayid. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. In the same way it was prescribed, ordained on those who came before you. What can we take from this? What fa'idah? Now? Why? Why? Ahsanallahu ilayk. He said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it's ajib, had al istinbat, it's derivation. When Allah Ta'ala said the same was prescribed for those who came before you, He said, Allah doesn't burden a soul more than it can bear. How do we derive this from this? Uthaymiyah rahimahullah azza wa jal, He said, This is a tasliya, a comfort for the believers, to comfort them that they, what you're doing was done by previous ummah, ummah, nations, that Allah doesn't burden a soul more than it can bear. Allah is not burdening with something new. Even the ummah before you, they did the same thing. Because no ummah, no nation, the affair will ever be rectified except with siyam, except for fasting. Because as siyam shara'an, siyam, lughatan afwan, linguistically means what? Al-imsak, to stay away from something. So all the previous ummah, they also did as siyam. And this shows also the excellence of fasting. And the excellence of this ummah, that whatever excellences there are, that was in the previous ummah, we find it in this ummah. So the previous ummah, they fasted. However, the fasting of Ramadan is only specific to what? To this ummah. Also, in terms of how they fasted, how many days they fasted, the period of fasting is different. For example, Zakaria and Maryam, what was their fasting? To abstain from what? From speaking. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Zakaria, for three days do not speak to people except with indications and sign language. And the fasting of Maryam was also min kalam. 
when she said to them, إِنِّي نَذَرْتُ لِلْرَحْمَانِ صَوْمًا فَلَأُكَلِّمَ الْيَوْمِ I've dedicated, I've vowed a fast into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So today I'm not speaking to anybody. Jayid? So it was different. So the previous umam, kadhalika, they fasted. كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ Jayid, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ In order that you may تَتَّقُونَ what can we get from this? In order you may receive taqwa. What can we take from this? That the purpose of fasting is for taqwa. To attain taqwa. And that's why the Prophet said, Whoever does not leave off statements of falsehood and acting according to it, Allah is not in need of him to leave off his food and his drink. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to say, limited days whoever from amongst you is ill meaning it's difficult for him to fast or upon a journey it should make it up at a later date and those who are able to fast who are able to fast can also instead of fasting give food to the miskeen and whatever does it, excessive voluntary duties, meaning fast, is better for him. And fast is better for you if indeed you know. So ayam ma'dudat, limited days. What can we take from this? What benefit can we take from this? Barakallahu The deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ease. وَجَوَابُكَ وَفَقَقَ اللَّهِ is exactly what Uthaymi rahimullah azza wa jal said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala تصويرُ الْأَمْرُ الشَّاقِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala presented an affair which is difficult for many people to abstain from food and drink How? بِأَمْرٍ سَهَلْ in an easy manner That أَيَّا مَعْدُودَاتٍ is only limited amount of days How many days to Ramadan now inshaAllah ta'ala? Huh? How many months? How many days? Yes, roughly. Huh? How many? Yeah, something like that. Three and a half or two and a half? Yes. About 60 something days. Jade? It was just like yesterday. We remember that Ramadan is coming. And subhanAllah, Ramadan will start. And it was just like yesterday, Ramadan is starting. Before you know it, Ramadan is over. Limited amount of days that the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yusr is ease. Secondly, whoever from amongst you is ill, what can we take from this? That the one that is ill is not obligatory upon him to do what? To fast at that time. But he has to fast what? At a later date. And when we say, what kind of illness? Is it illness? that affects a part of his body or a limb from the limbs of his body. It could be any part. It could be the whole body or a limb from amongst the limbs of his body. However, the condition of that illness should be that illness either delays him getting better, Jayid, it delays him fasting, delays him getting better, or it increases the symptoms of those illnesses, fasting. Because fasting in itself is a what? It's a medicine for certain illnesses. So not every single illness, when people say, I'm sick, I'm not fasting. No. Some illnesses, fasting is a healing. So that fasting either has to increase 
that illness, the ailment or delay you get in, better. And thirdly, that sickness has to be the one which whereby it causes some hardship. Jayid, that fasting causes severe hardship. If there's no hardship, it doesn't affect you getting better. It doesn't increase the illness. You should not, according to Jamhur al-Ulama, you should not break the fast because, you know what, I got a slight headache today, or I cut my finger, or I'm feeling a bit sick today. No. Maridhan, these are the condition, whoever is ill. And this is an illness whereby it is hoped the person will get better. There's certain illnesses where they are terminal, where there's no illnesses for. The person probably will not get better. So what does he do in this case? Fidya. He has to feed people because you find sometimes sisters, they're pregnant or they're breastfeeding and the automatic assumption is I am pregnant, I am breastfeeding, I don't fast. And they start to feed. No, you don't feed people. Why don't you feed people? Because you're going to what? You have to make it up later on. And the automatic assumption should not be because I am pregnant, I don't fast. If it causes you difficulty, you shouldn't fast. Because it's a debt to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with women, you find these issues. Especially women that get pregnant a lot. This year, she didn't fast, and then she has baby in two years, and then she can't even remember how many. And there's the issue of the monthlies, there's the issue of breast, so many issues. And you find they have too many, and they've not made it up from year to year to year to year to year to year, they've not made it up. And also breastfeeding. If breastfeeding is affecting the baby you're fasting, and it's making you very tired, then you don't fast. Or upon a journey. We take from this that the one was upon a journey, it doesn't have to what? It doesn't have to fast. Jayid, however, if there's no difficulty in the journey, does he have to fast or he doesn't have to fast? If there's no difficulty in the journey, it can fast. And in fact, it is better for him to fast. Because it's a debt to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's better to fast. However, he's allowed not to fast, but it's better to fast if there's no difficulty in the journey. If there's difficulty in the journey, then it is better for him not to fast. Because some of the companions came to the Prophet and some people were extremely tired when they were traveling from fasting. So the Prophet said that these are the disobedient ones. Why are they fasting? And it's causing them difficulty when they're traveling. It is hadith that fasting while traveling is not from taqwa. It's not from piety, especially when it makes you tired. So the one who's traveling, if it's not hard upon him the journey, it's better to fast. If it's difficult, it's better to break his fast. Tayyip. وَعَلَى الَّذِينَ يُطِيقُونَهُ فِدْيَةٌ طَعَامُ مِسْكِينَ And as for those who are able to fast, they can feed a poor person instead of fasting. What do we take from this? That fasting in the beginning was not obligatory. They had a choice between fasting and feeding a poor person to abstain from food and drink that. Fasting was obligatory. But in exchange, you had a choice between abstaining from food or feeding a poor person. In the beginning, it was like this. Now it's not like this as we'll go to see later on. You don't have a choice, you should fast. You can't automatically just feed people. But in the beginning, you had a choice between feeding or fasting. وَعَلَى For those who are able to fast, they should feed a poor person if they want to. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَمَنْ تَطَوَّعَ خَيْرًا فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَا As for those who do excess voluntary deed, it's better for them. وَأَنْ تَسُومُ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ 
And we end with this. Mahabbatullah lis-siyam or lis-sawm. The love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for fasting. Because Allah ta'ala said, and fast it is better for you. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it directed this khitab, this address, that fast is better for you. To which people? In kuntum ta'alamun, the ahlul ilm, the people of knowledge. And this shows the excellence of knowledge. That what is hidden from people becomes known to you. In kuntum, if you know. So if you know and you're a person of ilm, you will know automatically it's better to fast. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He directed this to ahlul ilm. It shows fadilatul ilm. It shows the excellence of knowledge. وَأَنَّ الْإِنسَانِ and a person He comprehends that which is hidden from the other people After this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدَى لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتِ مِنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ Next week we're going to this ayat This particular ayat or these ayat all the way to 185 they have lots of rules and regulations relating to fiqh, relating to aqidah So I encourage as Ramadan is approaching inshaAllah ta'ala we try to go through these ayat of siyah, these verses of fasting, and the rules and regulations of fasting. So our ibadah, our worship, our Ramadan will be built upon knowledge. Because no action, no statement should be done except with what? It should be preceded by, by knowledge. That how do we fast? You know, often repeated questions yearly that come up, that people are confused about. We'll try to go through that as well, inshallah ta'ala. How do we gain the spiritual benefit from Ramadan? We don't want just to be fasting, like the Prophet said in hadith, that whoever does not leave off for actions of state, a falsehood, and acting according to it, Allah is not in need of him to leave off his food and his what? His drink. Likewise, we don't want to be fasting, and the only thing we gain from our fasting is what? Just thirst and hunger. We want to fill with increasing taqwa. We want to get a spiritual benefit from Ramadan. That we don't want to be one of those people that, oh man, it's the 28th, I hope tomorrow's 29th, I hope they'll sight the moon, I want Ramadan to be over. You get people like this, it makes them tired. That the Ramadan, the psalm is meant to make you more patient. Some people more angry in Ramadan. Some people less patient in Ramadan because they're not getting the spiritual benefit of Ramadan. So it's important to go through this ayat of siyam to get the spiritual benefit of Ramadan. To so get one of the most important things of Ramadan. And one of the most important things of Ramadan is what? Ad-du'a. And that's why in the ayat of Siyam, Allah Ta'ala mentioned, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ That when you serve, my servant ask of me, tell them, I am near. فَإِنِّي They say, tell them, rather, I am near. Directly, I am near to you. It's important to go through these ayat of Siyam before we go back to the seerah of the Prophet and also issues relating to aqidah. Like Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنَ The month of Ramadan in which the Quran was sent down. Yes, Salman, what point of aqidah can we take from this, of belief, concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the month of Ramadan in which the Quran was sent down? Which point of belief or creed concerning Allah azza wa jal can we take from this? We've done this before, naam. Yes, naam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above. Anzala is sent down the Quran. Jayid? So inshallah ta'ala in the coming weeks we'll go through this all the way to verse 187 I believe. And inshallah ta'ala after that we'll go to the battle of Al-Uhud inshallah. Any questions?